Hello, 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 and welcome back to Netflix Coffee and Questioning Humanity. I have been bursting at the seams to talk about the newest reality garbage on Netflix, The Ultimatum, and one of the most popular pieces of reality trash, Married at First Sight. I am new to the Married at First Sight world. I know it's got like a million seasons, but um, I have some thoughts on both of these shows. Lots and lots of thoughts. But before I give those thoughts, I need the green light for cussing and a caffeine boost. Friendly reminder that this is an explicit podcast, which means I may discuss explicit content while most certainly using explicit language. So little ears, those easily offended, and my mom and dad may want to bow out. And also a heads up, I will be talking about all ultimatum spoilers, every episode, reunion, finale episode, and every episode before that. It's all getting talked about. I am drinking an iced chai latte from Dunkies, and this is not my usual order. I usually order a caramel iced latte with oat milk, but I just found out that the fucking swirls, not the flavor shots, the swirls, most of them contain milk. The shots don't, I think with one exception maybe, but for my lactose intolerant friends or my friends that don't drink milk, fair warning, just something to keep in mind. But the latte I am drinking, it is very thick. I don't personally think oat milk uh, should go with chai latte syrup, whatever they put in that. The two are so fucking thick. It would not mix. It would not stir. I got either a glug of fucking chai syrup or a glug of oat milk. Neither was fantastic without the other. But when I happened to get it to like a uh, three fourths of the way full, I shook that shit real good and it is delicious. And now I am fully ready to slander these shows. Let's start with the ultimatum, marry or move on, because I have the most to say about this show. Oh, wow. This is a reality show on Netflix. It is hosted by Vanessa and Nick Lachey, and it follows six different couples on the verge of marriage. One of the partners of each couple has issued an ultimatum to the other, forcing them to either get married or move on. I know, it already sounds so stupid, I know, but you know, unfortunately for us, there's more. We hate it, but we love it. Over the course of eight weeks, each will choose new potential partners for an unforgettable experience in hopes of gaining clarity on the future and of their relationships. Now, let me just say, I may not be the best person to comment on this. I mean, I'm going to, it doesn't matter. But personally, I don't think... I could ever understand the mindset of these people, these buffoons on this show. Number one, giving someone an ultimatum like that, I I would have to unpack that further within myself. I feel like rather than giving someone an ultimatum like that strongly, have conversations. And if those conversations don't turn into actions, you have conversations about that. And then if the conversations don't go anywhere, you just leave. Second reason being, I don't really believe in marriage. I feel like it's just a business situation. Um, Otherwise, I don't really think it matters for myself. I'm going to do my best to audibly give you the best visual aid I can with the names of these people, just to help ease any confusion. The first couple is Madeline and Colby. 
Madeline has medium length blonde hair and kind of looks like the girl who bullied you in high school. And now she's sliding in your DMs trying to sell you Herbalife and thinks Ugg boots are still cool to wear. Was that too specific? Madeline is essentially the one who hates her partner Colby. The next couple is April and Jake. April is the short little pistol with brown hair and a massive personality. And her partner Jake looks like a sad puppy. And he's got nice curly hair and he's got the light eyes. That's Jake. And then there is Alexis and Hunter. And yeah, I uh, forgot about them too. They're an extremely boring couple. The only thing exciting about them is the toxic excitement that comes from Alexis just being a mean girl. She's another blonde with like very sharp facial features. That's the only way I can explain it. Almost like she's the big sister of the girl that bullied you. And Hunter, weirdly enough, looks just like Nick from Love is Blind. He's just a little bit quieter. Lauren and Nathan, another forgettable couple. And mostly because these two couples left before the show even picked up steam. Lauren has all the tattoos and brown hair and Nathan looks exactly like Hunter who looks exactly like Nick. I mean, they all just blend together at this point. Shanique and Randall. Shanique had the longer dark brown wavy hair and always good eyeliner and always good shoes. Randall has the dark curly shorter hair and always has a very clean shaven face. And his face looks like someone. It's been bugging the shit out of me. I can't think of who it is. I see him as like a teenager age but he looks just like Randall and he was on that show uh fucking Taj Maori that's his name Maori Maori it's a hard one to to enunciate Maori Taj and Randall they look exactly alike to me they could be brothers Taj just has a little bit more of a baby face was he in smart guy or was he Roger from sister sister or am I getting the Maoris all mixed up I think I'm just getting them all mixed up they were all great shows Anyway, on to Ray and Zay. Ray also has darker brown wavy hair and she's very unique looking and she's very beautiful. She's got very different features and she's got the cutest little baby face. I think she's adorable. Zay is jacked. He's got the nose ring, the massive fucking cubic zirconias in the ear, a great hairline and a clean haircut at all times. That's Zay. And I think that's everyone. Sorry if I forgot a couple. I don't think I did. There's your reminder of who these people are so you can put a face to a name. To start the show, the couples are like mingling with one another, like dating each other, essentially, basically speed dating. And right off the bat, I thought this was so strange. Like, okay, it's just these people to choose from, just the other couples. I'm sure the producers like cross-checked personalities and picked more couples that could do well with each other, potentially. But I was hoping they'd have just one episode where it would go full Love Island and four more guys and four more girls were dropped in randomly just to add some diversity to the group and to make it fun and interesting. It felt very forced when it was just these couples to choose from. The speed dating itself was very odd. They were talking about life and love and the importance of serious stuff, which it's all very cringe for us to watch but I have accepted in my soul that these are what these shows are and that's just how it is and that's just how it works. It's dating sped up by a million. Not only were the serious topics that they discussed cringe, but the conversations these people have that they consider important or attractive, fucking bizarre. 
One dude was like, oh, you drive stick? And she's like, yeah, like shouldn't everyone want a hair flip? It's giving so much pick me energy, so much. And then the same girl, I think this was Ray, Ray and Jake. I think this was them talking. I could be way wrong, but either way, she said, oh, will you have a shotgun ready when our hypothetical potential daughter comes home with her boyfriend? And of course, Bozo, who I believe was Jake, was like, hell yeah. And she just about creamed her pants at this. Bizarre. Once each person found someone they kind of liked, they were given the option to announce at this like dinner party table who they would like to have a faux marriage with. Two of the couples, like I mentioned, Lauren and Nathan and Alexis and Hunter decided that they were going to work it all out. This pissed off a lot of the other contestants because they felt that these two couples weren't giving the experiment a proper chance. I empathize with that. You're already there in a weird situation. You might as well say, fuck it, let's put this shit into full gear and live with a stranger that we think is okay. This may be, actually, it it will be, an all over the place evaluation of this show because I had a lot of random thoughts that were outside of the format of the show, I guess we could say. It may not flow in chronological order or any order that makes sense, basically. And I know I gave a brief summary, but I want to give some details as well, just so you know what's going on here. The trial couple, which would be the two people who found each other the most interesting that's not their own partner. For three weeks, they live with that partner in a faux marriage. And then after those three weeks, they live with their real partner for three weeks to sort of simulate what marriage would be like, which is kind of strange for the actual couples. I would imagine most of these people already live together. If you're trying to marry someone or commit your life to them, you need to know what direction they place the toilet paper, my guy. How much hair they shed in the shower. Do they clean up after themselves? Do they prefer takeout or do they cook? How much space in the closet do you need for their shoes? A lot of things to ponder here. I just think those are completely necessary stepping stones before the serious lifelong relationship stone. And then at the end, they decide if they want to marry their partner, join their new partner, or walk away single. Now on to my random sporadic thoughts. I was quite surprised with who I ended up liking by the end of this shit. April was the one who annoyed me the most in the first episode. Truly, her voice was just grating. But she was so cool and confident, and I respect how dedicated she was to the experiment. She seemed to be a really good sport with really weird circumstances around her. Picture this. You are sitting with someone you met five minutes ago trying to find a connection, and you see in your peripheral your partner laughing and flirting with someone else. There are some that would definitely be uncomfortable with that. But April took it like a fucking champ. The one person who annoyed me in the beginning and just fucking kept sinking into an infinite hole of holy shit, please stop talking and magically disappear into the ether, like a fucking bubble popping in the wind, was Madeline. Quite possibly, she is the most annoying person I have ever seen on television, fiction or reality. And I am watching The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. So I am now familiar with Brandy Glanville on my television, and I still think Madeline is the most annoying. That should say something. She's the stereotypical blonde, oh my god, shot, shot, shots, drunk girl, and she had this gross, mucky energy. She seemed to be very snooty, very dramatic, very schoolgirl, immature. 
It was even more annoying because Randall was definitely my favorite person on the show. And like I said with Love is Blind, he's my favorite within this group. It does not mean he'd be my favorite anywhere else. He was the only one on the show that actually seemed sane and had his head on straight and he was mature. I don't know how him and Madeline connected. I just, I don't see Randall putting up with someone whose conversations feel like that of a 13 year old's conversations. Oh, and I have to talk about Madeline's friends. Oh my God. I want them to have their own show. Not really, not really. Her friends, they are incredibly painfully annoying. But the brunette one, you know who I'm talking about. She's the one who makes me want to stick burning pitchforks directly into my eyeballs. She was like a cartoon character. Everything was so dramatic and animated and just like, I, I couldn't believe these were words coming out of a real human's mouth. And these friends were praising Madeline and praising Randall and said to Madeline, you're so much more mature than Colby. As if that means anything. That is a low bar, ladies. And we learn how low Madeline can fucking limbo as the show goes on. By week three, Madeline needed a rabies shot. She was feral, absolutely feral, hungry, starving for Randall's meat candle. Oh, that rhymed. I didn't even mean to do that. She was fiending and Randall wasn't giving her a bite. It was great to watch. In second place in the annoying Olympics, we have Jake. He seemed like his head was in the goddamn clouds and he goes where the wind blows. The conversations he had with Ray seemed very juvenile and not like being spirited and goofy. It was just like puppy love kind of shit. And it just didn't feel genuine. It's giving I say I love you on the first date. Him and Ray would have a conversation and found out they both piss yellow and they both like long walks on the beach. And then suddenly, because of this, they're now soulmates. Because they're like literally the same person. It was really refreshing to see Jake's mom's reaction to this experiment. She's something I like to call Southern Savage. The bless your heart, darling, kind of Southern Savage, know what I mean? And that's exactly what Jake needed in this moment. She sat in front of Ray and said to her son, this is the honeymoon stage and you love April and April is God's gift to mankind. She's a beautiful, sacred angel. And then said, I'm taking my son on a walk because I need to talk privately with my son. And while they were talking in private, his mom basically was like, Jake, get your head out of your ass. You love April. And there's a million girls like Ray. After that, Jake sat on a dock with Ray and lied, 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 lied. He told Ray that his mom loved her and that he needed a girl like her in his life. For what reason? She clearly saw that your mom was not into this at all. You could have just said, yeah, no, she's not really feeling it, but give her some time. No, he was like, she loves you. She wants me to marry you tomorrow. It's all good. It's all kosher. And on the topic of sad puppy Jake, I have a rant. And I don't know if I've already yelled about this before. So I apologize if you have to hear this a second time. I'm only going to be an asshole for like a minute, I promise. This show has triggered me in a very specific, very petty way. The frequency of the use of the word literally. Now I say this word. Do not think I'm judging anyone for having it in their vernacular. No, 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 no. My issue is specific. It's the frequency 
keyword is frequency and when it's not in the proper context, which ironically just happens to be the exact opposite of the definition of the word literally. Literally means in a literal manner. The definition is taking words in their usual most basic sense without metaphor or allegory. Without metaphor or allegory. You saying we like literally bonded within literally the first 30 seconds. Like I literally floated off the ground when I saw you. I like literally shit my pants. Fucking enough. I'm calling moratorium on using that word more than fucking twice a day. And also on the subject of poor word choices, supposedly is not a word. There's no fucking B in there. It's a D. Get your shit together. Get that mouth right. We're still friends, but get your mouth right. That's it. I know. I'm petty. Back to the show. I wasn't sure how I felt about Shanique. I like Shanique some moments. She stands up for herself and she doesn't take shit, but she is also incredibly hypocritical, superficial, and immature. So, you know, does it balance itself out? You decide. Now, I'm confused about something. I'm very, very confused. The contestants on this show, much like Love is Blind, I think they forget that they're being filmed and that everything's going to come out in the wash. Or maybe they just don't care in that moment. Or maybe they're just stupid. I don't have those answers. I probably never will. Let me explain with an example. Shanique at a girl's night out with all of the girls from the show, including Ray. And a reminder, Ray's partner in the real world is Zay. And he is paired up with Shanique for the show. At the girls' night, in front of everyone, Shanique was like, oh, Zay got a boner in bed with me. Yeah, yeah, she did that in front of Ray. His actual girlfriend. I, the teeth would be on the floor. But it's not over. Then Shanique said, in her confessional, just her, the cameraman, and the producer gods, she said that him popping some chub was an ego boost for her. But when she found out that Randall popped a boner when he was in bed with Madeline, heads fucking rolled. She also had a little sneaky date when Zay and Ray broke up and her and Zay had tequila shots in a card game. And she was sticking her little toes all in his face and all this flirty energy during her three weeks with her partner Randall. The hypocrisy of it all. They all do it. They just lie and deflect, lie, deflect, lie, deflect, deflect and lie. And side note, these are all grown women. They should know dudes pop boners every morning. It's like a normal thing. Penises pitch several tents each night as a part of a normal sleep cycle. He could be sleeping next to Lotney fucking Fratelli and the wood would be just as strong when the sun came up. I'm just saying. Back to girls night out. This is where I fell in love with April, truly. As I mentioned, she was at least surface level cool with this experiment. She seemed very confident and it could all be fake, but I don't think so. And we also now know, since the show is long over, that April is fucking barbaric, just a goddamn wrecking ball. Ray was talking about kissing Jake and Ray, Jake are partnered, April and Jake partners in real life. And Ray was talking about this because April cheekily asked about it. And Ray was kind of coy. She's like, yeah, we kissed and it was nice. And April came back like a bat out of hell. 
and said, ooh, his soft, luscious lips are nice. Me and him got our kisses in before he left me for you. But that wasn't on the lips. T. It's just so good when I tell you I fucking lost it. Oh, I love her. I was rolling. And Madeline's reaction to that was priceless. Priceless. I literally could go back and watch just that scene. Best part of the entire show. On to boys' night out. Um, the main takeaways are number one, Jake thinks he is a motivational speaker of sorts with his dumbass Pinterest quotes. Two, Zay is hilarious. He is also a little, a lot unhinged, but he's funny. He's fucking funny. And three, Colby made out with some rando that wasn't even filmed. Where is the footage? It's reality TV. The cameras were on. Unless he went out on a day off without the cameras. I know they do that. But I need to see it. I was confused. When Zay and Colby were having this conversation, I was like, what What the fuck is going on? Who is this? I never saw this. Did they know each other before the show? Did this happen when Colby was with Madeline and Zay was out with him? And they, what was happening? I needed context. It ended up not turning out to be anything interesting anyway, but I still would like to know. Let's speed up and talk about Ultimatum Day when they make their final decisions. Randall and Shanique got engaged, which didn't surprise me. I had a feeling the first couple was going to have a happy ending. I'm sure they didn't want to give the drama right away. You have to work for that. And Shanique gave Randall the ultimatum. And by this point, Randall did a complete 180. He was gung-ho for popping out babies and getting all the way married. He was doing good. April and Jake. April gave Jake the ultimatum. Jake felt like he wasn't ready for marriage. He, He needed time, whatever. And I truly wasn't sure with these two. I had hoped that Jake would choose April, but no, he chose to be (laughs) single. And he also made sure to say, oh, me and Ray aren't riding off together or anything like that. I'm just, I'm just not ready to be married. April was not having any of this and she was very adamant on being a wife. And because of this, she said, nope. That is not an answer I will accept. I will only accept marriage. And I'm sure Jake knew that. I'm sure he knew where this would go with her. But funnily enough, Jake and Ray did in fact have intentions to ride off into the sunset. He met up with her and gave her an envelope and said, oh baby, these tickets are for anywhere in the world you want to go. He's such a fucking gross human. Like what a disgusting individual. A lost soul. Truly, truly, truly. He seems like the type to victimize himself quite a lot. So, you know, he can fuck all the way off with that. I don't like him or Ray. They're both like rebounding in a weird way, which as we as grown adults, most of us know that that doesn't work out well. We are going to talk more about Ray and Jake in a moment. I told you this is going to be all over the place. Obviously, Ray was single. Her and Zay broke up before Ultimatum Day. And I don't have much to say about this, just that I don't think it was appropriate that they allowed her to stay on the show after punching him. If the tables were turned, that would not be the case. We didn't see it, it wasn't aired, but it was still done on a filming day and producers should have immediately ejected her. Is it eject or deject? Should have fucking took her ass out of the competition. Is this even a competition or is this a show? Do you do you win? I guess you win love, I guess. I don't know what this is, but kick her out of the show. Her behavior was gross. Zay's behavior was fucking gross. They seem toxic for each other and I'm glad they split up, but I was genuinely disappointed that they didn't remove her. They didn't seem to handle it in any way. Not that we saw. Ray just admitted that she punched him a few times, I think. And that was that. 
And finally, Colby and Madeline. Colby gave Madeline the ultimatum and she accepted. She said yes. And I was not expecting that at all. The hater goblin in me really wanted her to say no to Colby because she wanted to run off with Randall. And I just wanted the shot of her sitting on a bench alone and realizing he's not coming for her. Oh, that would have been great. But no. Now we're going to move on to the reunion. The reunion was boring as shit. I thought so much more could have been discussed if they really wanted to make it juicy. These producers are very, very, very kind, but I want Andy Cohen's shady ass hosting this shit. The main takeaways were uh, Colby and Madeline are pregnant. I'm sure she's already popped by now. She looked very, very pregnant during the reunion. Like I said, he was locking that shit down as soon as possible. She was not changing her mind. Alexis and Hunter are actively planning a wedding. They're still boring. Lauren and Nate seem to come to a compromise. She originally was very adamant on having no children, and she has now agreed to have one. Randall and Shanique broke up for six months after filming, but they are now back together. The real juice, though, came from the Ray Zay Jake April quadrangle. And April, for your audible visual aid, is now very, very blonde. Now here's where it starts to get a little spicy. Ray and Jake are no longer together. Ray is dating someone else and is currently figuring out herself and her sexuality. And Jake, as far as we know, is alone. The two did not go on their romantic trip to anywhere she wanted in the world. According to Ray and Jake, everything was just going too fast. But Zay chimed in and basically said that Ray didn't go on the trip because she was too busy doing the nasty with Zay. Ray denies this, but she did say she tried to fix things with him. I, I don't know what the truth is, but the tea is exceptionally good. But the real tea, the true atrocity monstrosity was Jake's hair. Jake, my guy, what the fuck is going on? I, like, I don't know what to tell you, Jake. I could fucking direct traffic through those braids. And those bangs or baby hairs, whatever he was trying to do, it reminded me a lot of the Gorilla Glue Girl. That's the situation that it looked like. And it's not like Jake can't pull off braids. He's got a thick ass head of beautiful hair. This was a styling choice and a choice it was indeed. Overall, I thought it was fairly entertaining. It definitely wasn't as good as Love is Blind, but it comes in clutch as a guilty pleasure, if need be. And I am curious to see how these people as individuals will do in the long run. I feel like they'll probably do more episodes. The next Netflix, that barely came out of my mouth, the next Netflix reality show on the chopping block. Oh, fucking chopped. Oh, I missed that show. Nope, nope, stay on track. No going off onto a tangent. The next show on the chopping block is Married at First Sight. I was confused as to what the show's premise was before watching. Obviously, Married at First Sight is pretty forward, but what does that entail? What are the details surrounding that? Let me give you a little summary here. Married at First Sight features people who agree to participate in an extreme experiment. Each goes through with a legal marriage with a complete stranger. 
specialists, including a spiritualist, a relationship coach, and a sociologist use scientific matchmaking methods to determine each couple who will not have met or had any contact with each other until the wedding day. The series then documents the relationships, including honeymoons and other relatable events of married life. After several weeks, each couple must decide whether to remain together or go their individual ways. I have some sporadic thoughts of this show. I didn't watch much of it, and we will get to why. So please excuse my brain vomit. First and foremost, the families on this show are fucking tapped. Tapped in the skull. If I ever went to my dad or my sister or my friends and I said, I'm going to marry a stranger in two weeks, no contact, no nothing. If I explained this to them, they would laugh at me. And then when they were done laughing, they'd tell me that this was a fucking dumb idea that makes absolutely no sense. That's how a lot of families would be, I would think. I think that's a safe assumption. Not in Married at First Sight world, not at all. One dad was like, oh, oh, congratulations, that is so great. I was floored. That made me think that this is all fake. This was bullshit. The marriage had to be bullshit. There is no way people react this way. I looked it up so you don't have to. This shit is fucking real. Real. Former contestants say they may have had to refilm a scene like them walking down the aisle or giving a kiss, blah, 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 whatever. But yeah, the marriage is real. Sounds juicy. Sounds like it'll be entertaining. Back to the families for a second, though, because at the beginning of every conversation, the majority of the parents say, oh, this is crazy. This is just batshit. Like, this is not going to work. What are you, crazy? But then by the end of the conversation, they're just giving hugs and kisses and are like, no, I have an open heart. Like, it just felt very fishy. Maybe my social circle is cynical like me. I don't know. But it struck me as odd. The way the therapist explains the coupling to sort of make it make sense doesn't really make sense to me. It's like, oh, Joe Schmo and Jill Schmill will be compatible because they both have entrepreneurial spirits and look on the bright side. Like, no, that 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 isn't the core of a relationship. I understand like the purpose and I'm sure it's deeper than that. But I think that marriage or long-term partnership is all about the details. That's just me personally. Does she clip her toenails in the middle of the kitchen? Does he leave breadcrumbs in the butter? Does she cover you with the blanket while you nap on the couch? Does he make you coffee in the morning? These little things add up for better or for worse. And if you uh, don't have similar communication styles, which I'm just going to assume that they assess that and they just didn't have time to explain it, But just in case, if that wasn't assessed, then being spirited and fucking entrepreneurial isn't really going to matter. So that was weird. I would have preferred if the first episode was like the process, like the therapist and the sociologist and spiritualist, whoever, if they showed the process of picking these people and why and who they thought they'd be most compatible with because blah, blah, blah. I would have loved that. Married at First Sight. Uh, is definitely not as entertaining as the ultimatum, which is not as entertaining as Love is Blind. So this is the bottom of the ranks for me. This show, I was literally holding myself back from fast forwarding through every scene. And you know what? Looking back, I think you can skip the entire first episode. If I'm being completely honest, I think you will do just fine with the recap and going into episode two. Not that episode two is much better. 
The show is so fucking slow. It doesn't move. Also, random. Why? Why do you need to say, this is the biggest season in Married at First Sight history? Every fucking second, I swear to God, take a shot every time the narrator says it and you'll be blackout by the end of episode two. I don't get it. I don't get it. Silly, silly, silly. It's got a gazillion seasons, so they're obviously doing something right. I People love it. As per usual, I, I'm the stupid one. For me, I made it about five episodes and I was over it. I think it could be a really, really cool show if it was done better, juicier. The people are boring as shit. The drama is boring as shit. It's slow as shit. And I spent every minute watching it, waiting for it to end. Afterwards, I very quickly shifted to actual quality reality television to watch The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and I was happy again. I am new to The Real Housewives world. Last year, I did finish Atlanta. I know Atlanta has a new season that just came out, so I will be watching that. I'm catching up on Beverly Hills. I'm on season four now. Brandy Glanville is at peak fucking awful, and Carlton, I believe is her name. She's like the British witch lady. Love her. And then there's that boring one. What's her name? The one that Brandy always fights with. That one. So that's that's where I'm at with Beverly Hills. I think I'm going to do New Jersey next. Maybe Orange County. I don't know. Let me know which one I should watch next. I am going to slowly watch more Netflix reality shows, though. That is for sure. I'm curious to see how terrible the others are. I think The Circle has new episodes out now. I want to watch that. That show looks particularly awful. Oh, my God. I just remembered The Floor is Lava. Holy shit. What a what a what a show. If you haven't seen The Floor is Lava, give that a watch for some of the best acting you have ever seen in your life. It's perfection. It is comedic gold. It is perfect reality television. Thank you for listening in today. I am actually pretty excited to scour Netflix for the best of the best reality shows. I'm going to find some trash painted gold. Be sure to follow the pod on Instagram at NCQH Podcast and or my personal Instagram at L-E-A-A underscore M-A-R-Z and my TikTok at L-E-A-M-A-R-Z-Z. Today, I'd like to spotlight the Climate Reality Project. The Climate Reality Project's mission is to catalyze a global solution to the climate crisis by making urgent action a necessity across every sector of society. On their website, climaterealityproject.org, you can find different initiatives they have, Ways to get involved, like running a campaign, for example. They even offer a downloadable toolkit to help you get started. On the website, you can also connect with chapters that are already starting to do some volunteer work in your area. And of course, there is always the option to donate if you are capable and comfortable doing so. Thank you again for taking time out of your day to listen a little old me. Stay caffeinated, stay streaming, stay strong. Stay strong.